Welcome back to Horoscope Witch. It's Mal. Happy October. <laughs> What's up, my friends? Welcome to the moon sermon, or welcome to the monthly sermon, I should say, because we're trying to shift over to the more of the monthly sermons. Um, I'm actually really feeling this new format. What do you guys think? I, I kind of like the monthly sermon, and I'm really liking the sort of Q&A addition to the sermons as well. So if you're new to the podcast, hi, I'm Mal. Um, and here's how these these monthly episodes have been working. Um, I sort of channel the sermon um, so I have my notes here about kind of what my guides and spirit have been telling me about October. We'll talk about the October astrology a little bit. Um, in this specific episode, I actually felt really called to do the Mars retrograde forecasts for each individual sign. So after the sermon, We'll get into those individual forecasts, and I really did want to go a little bit in-depth for each of the 12 signs to really talk about what this Mars retrograde might be bringing up for you, and then at the end, we'll get into the Q&A, which is the section where my listeners and y'all kind of talk to me, and you have sent me your questions for the month, and I give you my take on the Q&A. So we have quite a hefty episode. I'm, I'm trying, let's pray right now that this episode is, stays around an hour and a half, but if it's closer to two hours, don't hate me. We'll, we'll see if we can get through this. Okay, <laughs> let's just get into it. So Oh my gosh. Um, you know, can I just say one of the Q&A questions, I'm going to actually answer it right now because it'll kind of bleed into what I'm saying in the sermon. So this is the first Q&A question. Um, someone in a session actually asked me, um, you know, who are who are these guides that everybody's talking about? <laughs> like she she asked it really in a cute way. Like who's what who's these spirit guides that everybody has? Like I, I don't know who what like what's going on here? Um and I just wanted to address that. Um I thought this was a really good uh, really good question. Such a good question that I asked this client. I was like, "Can I address this question on the podcast?" Um can I just say when it comes to me channeling from my guides and from spirit and from my intuition, I know sometimes it can feel maybe a little bit, um, I don't know, like uh, this thought of everybody having guides and ancestors and helping spirits that are sort of delivering them messages and this thought of like oh I need to figure out like how to speak to these people <laughs> it can be kind of overwhelming especially if you're someone who's just sort of beginning to dabble in like oh I, I want to develop my intuition or I want to embrace my intuition more right and I just wanted to put this out there like this is my official stance on spirit guides and intuition and all of that shit okay I think that every single person on this planet has the same phone number to God right we have the same phone line we have exactly the same reception um I am in no way 
any more psychically talented quote unquote than you are okay like I don't have um like a quote unquote better relationship with my guides or spirit than you do um really just I think why I've been able to develop my intuition is just because I've invited it into my life and I've made it a conscious part of my life right and I just wanted to put that out there like your spirit guides are there for you whether you know they're there or not there's like a whole I think team of people on the other side who are sort of guiding you and and there for you so never doubt that like oh I'm just like not the kind of person who has spirit guides or whatever you do you absolutely do. And there's also this thing called the higher self, right? Which I kind of imagine to be this version of my soul that is sort of um, timeless, right? And there's like this timeless sort of version of my soul that exists in the astral. So a lot of the things that I do too with with intuition, it, it is about maybe bringing forth the message of spirit and my guides and the ancestors, but it's also about communicating with my higher self. And I view the higher self as kind of same but different, like in the same category of like helpers, but it's a little bit different because this is sort of the version of you that is, um, yeah, that is, that is timeless, that knows exactly where you are going at all times. This is the version of you that um, knows that your soul can never truly be lost, right? So no matter how lost you may feel on earth at certain times in your life, know that there's always a version of yourself um, in the astral or on the other side that is never lost and is always guiding you, Okay. Now, I think in the spiritual community, something I've noticed is that, you know, there's this sort of thing that's like, take this workshop to meet your spirit guide or whatever it may be. Now, let me be clear. I'm not, I'm not making fun of that. I'm not downplaying that. I think that's wonderful. If you feel called to take a psychic development class or a workshop where the teacher is sort of teaching you how to meet your spirit guide or whatever. Um, I think that's amazing. I also have noticed too that there are certain people in the spiritual community who maybe identify similarly to me as like psychic or intuitive or whatever. They actually will say like, oh my spirit guide is Larry. Or like they actually have this name for their spirit guide or they feel very connected to sort of this character that they feel like is helping them do readings or work through life or whatever it may be. So again, I think that's totally a valid experience and I think that's great if you have that. But here's the thing, I don't have that, right? I I really don't. I've never felt called to assign a name to my spirit guides I don't really even think of my guides as like physical people or um physical beings or anything along those lines like I just really connect to the energy of there being a force outside of myself that is sort of providing guidance okay so I just put that out there because 
this question that that client asked me really um really made me think I'm like wow are there like I really hope that people don't feel discouraged about pursuing their intuition or wanting to become more intuitive because they also feel like oh I'm not the kind of person like I don't have a guide or like I don't know my guide's name like I've never met my guide so you know I'm not intuitive right well me either like (laughs) you know like I don't I don't again I don't assign an identity to anything that I'm really speaking to and honestly intuitively I feel like that's what's right for me like I just don't feel the need to say like oh this is my guide is named Larry right and (laughs) like um so but now that I'm saying Larry let's just (laughs) should we make up this like fake persona like all right here's Larry's messages for the month that I'm channeling um but yeah I just wanted to put that out there that that's not how I view my intuition working at all like I feel like again I come to this realization over and over again that my my intuition is a very soft feeling it's a feeling it's not it can be words it can be images but most of the time it's a feeling right Um, and just trusting that and connecting to that feeling is that first step I think in intuitive development so yeah that's a little bit about my channeling and my intuition and what's really happening when I sit down and I and I do these moon sermons okay so I hope that helps someone who has felt like discouraged like oh I can't be intuitive because I don't have a guide like everybody else does again you don't need it you you don't necessarily need to view it in that way it can just be something that's very free-flowing um so let's get into like the the astrology of October Um, Just like the quick astrological overview of October. What are some of the astrological themes of October? Um, This month begins and ends with a full moon. So on October 1st, we have a full moon in Aries. Um, A full moon at, I think, 9 degrees Aries, 9 degrees Libra. Um, On October 14th, Mercury stations retrograde. And also that week, that second week of October, we have um, Mercury opposing Uranus. And I think that's going to be a really big theme of October. Uranus is going to be a really big player of October. And we'll talk about that going forth. Um, October 16th, we have our new moon in Leo. Or sorry, new moon in Libra. (laughs) Um, And also on Halloween, Samhain, October 31st, we have our Taurus full moon. And that full moon will also be conjunct Uranus, or at least the moon in Taurus will be conjunct Uranus, and the sun in Scorpio will be opposing Uranus. So, you know, when we're looking at the um, astrology of October, I think there's that sort of... Um, what is that called? Like the rule of three, um, which is this idea that when you look at someone's natal chart, if you see the same theme three times, then it's sort of 
you know, it, it, there's, it's probably true, like whatever it's kind of saying. Um, I actually noticed this too when I'm reading tarot cards, like there could be the same theme in the cards coming up three times in different ways. Like let's say, you know, you have the seven of pentacles, the four of cups and the two of swords or something like the, okay, the theme is there. The theme is here three times. Like it's time to stop, recuperate, um, and kind of figure out how to be in the present moment instead of rushing forward, right? Um, so same thing with astrology. When we see something three times like this sort of Uranus type of theme, you know, we see, um, Mercury and Uranus opposing each other in the second week of October. And then when Mercury stations retrograde, it stations retrograde in an opposition with Uranus, right? Um, and then at the end of the month, seeing that full moon having a very strong Uranian influence, I would say that this is going to be a very Uranian month, okay? Um, which is interesting because I think um, with Mars retrograde and... Um, Mercury also going retrograde this month, um, there is a huge, huge sense of having to pull back, slow down. If we try to launch a bunch of shit right now and move forward in a really big way, the odds are we will have to redo it or do something twice. <laughs> this is sort of, um, this happened to me this month when I was uh, making my intro to the natal chart workshop um and i had to film that thing like two or three times it was such a mars retrograde experience like we can get things done you know but it's going to take a few times or there's going to have to be a redo or there's going to have to be a restart or just kind of leaving time for mistakes so i say that too because this continuous theme of the timeline, we need to let go of the timeline, you know, with this month, because what's really happening, what the astrology is really saying is that if we say, go into a task and say, okay, I only have one hour to complete this, or I have to complete this by Friday, or I have to do this by the time I turn 40, or whatever it may be, you know, however the timeline is influencing you and causing you pressure at the moment, if you hold on to that timeline too much, I think it's going to make for a lot more suffering in October than there has to be. Because here's the thing, with all of these Uranian influences, what does Uranus do? In its highest expression, Uranus gives us this new perspective. Uranus gives us that, whoa, like that that zoomed out, this is why this is happening, or this is why that had to happen, or this is the idea that I've been waiting for. Um, um, in its highest expression, in its lower expression, Uranus can surprise us in a sort of disturbing way <laughs> in a way that we completely did not expect, right? So in both of those experiences, the sort of, whoa, like I have this new perspective that's like going to change my life and change how I'm doing things. And the, 
oh my God, that surprise just completely came out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting it at all. Okay, in both of those experiences, both of those experiences are contradictory to a very strict timeline that your ego has. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because of like a, a whoa, like new experience, like new perspective. This is how I actually need to go about this. Um, that will change your timeline, right? That will absolutely change your timeline. And a surprise that you would have preferred not to happen, right? A surprise that you weren't expecting, something that just came out of the blue for you, that will also affect your timeline, right? So I think what the astrology is really saying, you know, in a nutshell for October, I mean, we could go in specifics for each and every transit or whatever, um, which I do on my newsletter, by the way. So if you're interested in kind of going deeper into the transits, sign up for my newsletter on my website, shameless plug. Um, <laughs> um, but I think that in a nutshell, that's really what the astrology is calling us into for October. If we grip onto the timeline too much, um, we will certainly... 100% cause ourselves more suffering than what was originally planned, right? And I did put this quote in my newsletter. I feel I wasn't planning to read it, but I feel called to read it right now um, because it's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. Um, now, in, you know, Henry David Thoreau in, in Walden, he, there's this like really famous quote from his writing and he says, I'm going to read it here. Time is but a stream I go a-fishing in. I drink at it, but while I drink, I see the sandy bottom and detect how shallow it is. Its thin current slides away, but eternity remains. I would drink deeper, fish in the sky whose bottom is pebbly with stars. Okay. See, I really love that. I think that's so beautiful. And I'm like going to read that every day in um, in October because it reminds us that time, time is but a stream I go fishing in. You know, what really is time? <laughs> How many of us have said this year, like, time is an illusion. Like, I don't even know what day it is, right? Um, actually, that might be better. <laughs> That might be better approach to October than having this really strict schedule of I have to get it done by this time and I have to have a baby by this age and I have to get married by this time. And it's like all this shit and just let it go and like almost let yourself not even know what day it is. Um, <laughs> like really and truly, um, it's not to say don't take small steps, right? Don't take small steps to your goal. Because um, I think, too, the one other message I was getting about this Mars retrograde in October specifically, and I'm going to say this, um, hopefully it doesn't sound harsh, but I was really getting this um, feeling like, uh, like there's a lot of excuses floating around right now, right? Um, there's a lot of, uh, I think there's a difference between surrendering and excuses, right? Um, surrendering is this sort of 
moment where we decide like okay like I'm gonna go with the flow like I can I can get what I can get done and I'm gonna take the small steps that I can take um and I'm just gonna you know read the room right I talked a little bit about this on Instagram if you saw that story but surrendering is really like I'm just gonna read the room if the room says I need a rest and I need to stop that's what I'm going to do. If the room says I can take a small step forward today, that's what I'm going to do, right? Like that is a great frequency to be in actually for October. The sort of giving up and making excuses for yourself and just throwing in the towel and just completely giving up on everything because you feel frustrated of because of this year. I want to say that's completely your frustration is the most valid thing ever. You know, like if we had to assign one keyword to Mars retrograde, it would be frustration, right? So I'm not saying that your frustration is not real because it completely is. Um, but Mars retrograde is not, it is not an invitation to throw, on, throw in the towel. It is not an invitation to think up a bunch of excuses as to why you can't, um, you know, get anything done, Right. It's not an invitation to hide under a blanket until the rest of the year is over, okay? Um, there is still very much small things that need to be done right now, and those small things could very well be much more important in the long run than we even realize now, okay? Um yeah, like I can't I can't even really explain what spirit is showing me when I just said that, but they were almost showing me like really really small seeds that we wouldn't even think were that important or we don't really think much of, but those seeds like almost growing into like large golden like large blocks of gold in a way. So they're telling me that like the small things that we can get done right now are so much more important than we even realize. And these small things are may seem so minuscule to our egos, right? Like maybe one of those small things that we can get done is um, uh, meditating for five minutes a day, right? Or maybe it's like making a journaling, a daily journaling practice or making five minutes a day in the morning to go outside in bare feet and ground yourself in the earth. Um, maybe the small thing that you're doing is um, wanting to, you know, make a small step forward with your business, right? Like maybe you, uh, this is like a random example, but maybe you sell jewelry and right now you have five pieces of jewelry for sale and now you're going to try to have a sixth piece of jewelry, you know, like Again, you wouldn't think these things will make a difference because they seem so small, but they will. And what's dangerous right now is like when we're being called to surrender and slow down and really read the room, do you know what the ego does <laughs> in that moment? The ego will start to imagine like a really like big achievement um and and start to sort of be like this is all that matters or like the end game is all that matters and like you know and then we start to feel lost because when we start to focus on that big achievement or that trophy 
kind of thing, you know, that really like materialistic kind of end goal. When we just like have our binoculars on the trophy, oddly enough, I think that will kind of, the energy of that will sort of counteract back to us. It'll be kind of like a boomerang and it'll be that recipe for giving up and not taking the steps that we need to take. So instead of having those like binoculars on the trophy, switch the binoculars to switch to like a microscope and see the small thing that can be accomplished. Okay. And I have to say, one of the things I didn't plan on talking about, but I will just touch on right now is that Mercury is going retrograde in Scorpio. Now it's funny because on the um, morning that Mercury went into Scorpio, I woke up and I had this image in my head and it almost looked like one of those like old like Nancy Drew novels that you would like see at the library and it would be like Nancy Drew was like really up close to like with literally a magnifying glass like they were showing me this sort of mystery solving kind of scene but the it felt like the spiritual message behind what they were showing me with this like girl with the magnifying glass on like the cover of this mystery novel it was like the importance of us just not getting ahead of ourselves with thinking about the future, not getting ahead of ourselves with um, assigning meaning and becoming attached to the things that we think are going to happen by this timeline. It was more a message for Scorpio, Mercury and Scorpio being focus on the smaller details, right? Which sounds, again, counterintuitive. How is focusing on the small details going to get me to where I want? These things seem so trivial or whatever. It will pay off. We just can't see how or when or how it's all going to happen. Okay. That's what I will say. It's very hard right now as someone who's psychic and intuitive it's it's very hard right now to really grasp how exactly everything is going to work out right because I'm not a future teller and no psychic or intuitive really is a future teller um but I think there are certain moments in time where things feel more solidified than not and this just happens to be a time where I feel like the future is sort of this like (laughs) like spinning swirling uh like primordial soup like there's like no there's almost like nothing tangible or solid or like materialized in the future at this moment like I feel like things could truly go anywhere or things could really go either way and what do we do when the future kind of looks like that you know just really be in the present right and Here's the thing. I'm starting to feel resentful over spiritual people telling me to be in the present moment. Okay, so I'm going to own that. (laughs) And I'm going to own that I just told you to be in the present moment. But here's the thing. Um, Four of Cups. Okay, for my tarot students. Think about this. Four of Cups. Four of Cups and dissatisfaction with the present moment. How many of us are feeling dissatisfied with our present moment in some way right now everybody's raising their hand I'm raising my hand okay um 
the message here too is do not become so dissatisfied and so discouraged with your present moment that you end up abandoning it, right? I think that's what was really being said when someone says, stay present, stay present, stay present, stay present. Translation, at least from me, from my perspective, stay present or be in the present moment means don't abandon who you are right now, right in this minute, right in this second. While you're listening to this, whoever you are in this version of yourself, don't abandon who you are on this day today, right? Don't abandon what small step you can take today. Um, Don't become so involved and so overinvested in the future that you actually throw off the equilibrium of who you are today. Okay, that's a really, really big message for October. Um, really think about, you know, it's a shame that like the sort of be present stuff has kind of become like a cliche almost <laughs> because so many people say it. Um, but I would invite you like, can you really think of like what this phrase means to you? right? Like, can you assign personal meaning and a personal, um, yeah, like a personal spiritual message to the phrase be present? Like, what does that really look like for you? Um, Because again, I think it's a little bit, it's not, it's like dangerous. It's not dangerous, dangerous, but it's almost, I think it would be to our detriment to project ourselves too much into a future right now that is in no way solidified in any way, (laughs) you know, um, like it just, it feels, um, it feels like it would be so much better for us to figure out how to deal with our present moment now. Okay. Now, it's funny because this is perfectly leading me into the really the title or the theme of the October sermon. And I'm sorry it's taken me 30 minutes to get here, but you know who, how I am. Um, actually, 30 minutes is not that bad. Um, <laughs> the title of this sermon, I titled this sermon Endurance. Because, well... This is a word that's been coming to me for a couple weeks now, and I, and I did feel that it was important for October specifically to like include this in the, in the October sermon in some way. Um, but it's funny because when, when we sit on the word endurance, you're probably imagining like an athlete right now, right? Like you're, you're literally imagining someone like winning the race or, um, you're imagining this word endurance in a like an athletic context. Um, so I wanted to read the the definitions, like the dictionary definitions of endurance and endure. Um, and they're really, really powerful. So definitely listen. Okay. Endurance. The act or power of enduring an unpleasant situation or difficult process without giving away. Sound familiar, right? Sound familiar? I'll read that one more time. The act, sorry, endurance. The act or power 
of enduring an unpleasant situation or difficult process without giving away. Okay, so I'm going to also read two definitions of just endure. Endure, to suffer patiently. Isn't that so powerful? To suffer patiently. (laughs) And then another definition of endure is to remain in existence, to last. Okay, so that's really what I mean by when I say it's important for us to reconnect with the present moment and not get ahead of ourselves this month. Um, You know why that's hard specifically this month? It's hard because of what is in the present moment, right? And what is in front of us all, you know, no matter your situation at the moment, what is in front of us is um, this opportunity to sort of, it's not really an opportunity, but it's a situation where we're really being tested in our sort of endurance <laughs> our skill set for endurance. We're being tested with how we handle a situation that's unpleasant. And we're being tested with how we endure this situation that is unpleasant, right? And again, that defi- the most powerful definition I think about uh, in, with all three of those things that I just read was the shortest one, endure to suffer patiently. Do you know how hard that is, right? Do you know how hard that is? And, you know, to suffer patiently, that is what that is um to actually master that, to suffer patiently, to actually master the art of doing that um is like freaking like Buddhist monk shit. Like that's one of the hardest spiritual lessons you will learn in this lifetime and to be honest every single person in this country and maybe on this planet but definitely in this country are being called into suffering patiently right now and we can see literally how the average person reacts to that right to suffer patiently um so you know we saw you know, we keep seeing people going out without a mask on, yada, yada, yada. We all know we can all think of a situation where we have seen a manifestation of someone who is unable to suffer patiently because <laughs> no one wants to do that, right? It takes a great amount of spiritual connection, self-awareness, comfortability with surrendering to your own suffering to actually endure an uncomfortable situation right but uh, you know this is what we're going to be dealing with if for october especially but also this entire year and hate to break it to you going into 2021 too i think this test of our endurance our ability to endure our ability to be patient in the face of our own suffering and collective suffering um, is going to be the lesson and here's the thing too <laughs> like not to i i really hope this doesn't come off as me like love and lighting like all of the suffering that 
a lot of people are going through right now. Um, I promise that's not really my, my intention with saying this, but right now we are in one of the, like the ultimate spiritual retreat. Like you couldn't pay (laughs) for a better spiritual retreat at the moment, because here's the thing, like in, um, in (laughs) like the 21st century, like we think of a retreat, it's like, you know, I don't know, a bunch of like white girls going to Bali and doing yoga or some shit, you know? Um, and it's like, uh, and again, I'm not, that's fine. Like I I would do it if I had, if I had the money and I had a ticket, like maybe I would, I would go in that group and go to Bali and do some yoga, right? That's our sort of definition of retreat. But you know who knows? That's actually not a good definition of, or that's not a good connotation of what retreat really means. And you know who knows what retreat really means? It's the hermit. And it's any time we see the archetype of the hermit. Because the archetype of the hermit, um, the archetype of the hermit goes off, goes away from society. And they know that when they go, you know, into their cave or when they're retreating from society, what they're doing is they are actively making the choice to go face their demons and their suffering and everything that they've been going through. They know that in the retreat, they will fa- they will meet their demons and they will meet some sort of suffering and they are actively going off to do that. That's actually what the hermit's doing. That's why sometimes when people pull the hermit, there's something um, very subconscious that gets scared. It's like, um, it's like that anxiety when you look at the hermit because for me, I don't really get anxiety when I look at the hermit because... The hermit's my life path. Um, I'm a life path number nine and um, the hermit's the ninth card. So it's my soul card. So I feel very aligned with the hermit. I feel I feel very um, more comfortable than the average person in accepting that there's part of the spiritual journey that requires this of us. There's part of a spiritual journey that requires us to actually actively seek our demons, right? Not in the way where it's like, you know, destroying our life and making us like depressed and like making us not want to be here anymore. Um, But what the hermit does is they know that um, the greatest spiritual retreat is the, you know, the, the spiritual retreat that just challenges the shit out of us, that takes us to our limit. Um, a good example of this is if you've ever read like uh, the Temptations of Saint Anthony or like seen that play or know anything about the story of Saint Anthony, he's a great um, archetype of, or he's a great example of the hermit archetype, because Saint Anthony like goes to the desert and like meets all this like wackadoodle demon shit and um like is just totally um faced with like all of the deadly sins and stuff but he actively does that right and we when we hear these stories about that archetype of the hermit going into the desert without food or water for seven days and they're like hallucinating because they're so ill or whatever um that's what they're doing they're, again they're ma- they're enduring 
<laughs> they're making the active choice to engage with the suffering, right? And granted, right now, nobody asked for this spiritual retreat that we're all on right now. <laughs> If I can call it that, right? Nobody asked for this spiritual treat, retreat. This is like the free spiritual retreat from hell that nobody signed up for, right? <laughs> right? And um, here's the thing, though. You know, nobody signed up for it consciously, right? But I do believe, again, I said this in like January on one of the January moon sermons. I remember one of these things, this message that I said, but I said that without a doubt, you know, our souls and our soul contract, everybody here penciled in, I'm going to be alive in 2020. Like I'm going to be a participant in the energy of 2020 and 2021 and 2022, right? Like on some soul contract unconscious level, you know, everybody signed up for this, right? And and I think on some soul unconscious soul contract level, we also signed up for this spiritual retreat from hell that we're <laughs> that we're all in right now, right? So I want you to really engage with that word this month, endurance, to endure, to suffer patiently. Oh, and that other definition, to remain in existence. Wow, like isn't that profound? Like if we could, is that really, maybe that's really the true definition of, of being present you're making the choice to remain in existence. You're making the choice to remain with the suffering. You're making the choice to remain with the challenges or the problems um, and seeing what they have to say to you, right? And I think too, at this point, we're probably like, okay, okay, Mally, get it. Okay, enduring. Yes, yes. There's some, indubitably, everybody who's listening to this is enduring some level of suffering, right? I'm not saying our level of suffering is even Steven or anything like that. There's certainly many, many, there's many layers of privilege to these sufferings. There's many layers of ancestral trauma and, um, and societal conditioning and there's all of this you know shadow stuff that's sort of mixed in with the suffering I'm not saying it's all even but I will say that without a doubt I I really do believe everybody who's listening right now especially with the Mars retrograde in in full-blown action right now there's some level of suffering that you are facing in your life whether it be with your partnership or um, figuring out who you are, being lost, hating your living situation, um, you know, wondering what to do with your life. Like, you know, like the, the options are endless with the suffering that we could be experiencing right now, right? So again, enduring this suffering isn't necessarily about figuring out a solution to it, right? It's not about fixing the problem. That's not what enduring means, right? Enduring means the act or power of staying with an unpleasant situation or difficult process without giving away, 
You might be wondering, Matt, what, what could I ever get out of that, right? What could I ever get out of enduring my suffering? What could I ever, you know, get out of, um, you know, stopping the fight and just kind of surrendering to what is? Like, I need to find the answer. I need to find out how I'm getting out of this. I need to find this. I need this. I need that. I need the time. <laughs> um, I need a date of when this is going to end, right? Right? That's what our egos want, right? Exactly what our egos want, you know, because without a doubt, every single time, the ego is like a dog who sees um, a food drop from the table. Like, the dog will 100% of the time go to that food and try to eat it, right? Um, the ego will 100% of the time try to remove us from our suffering and try to find a quick fix, right? The issue with finding a quick fix during a Mars retrograde, okay, is that, um, you know, well, you don't even need to really be into astrology to figure that one out, right? <laughs> Uh, Mars retrograde is not the time for quick fixes. It's never really the time for quick fixes. Mars retrograde is a time of the ultimate surrender, right? Um, and I, one thing I want to say is that if you are in a place where in October you can really um, find some level of endurance with what you're going through, you know, you can find some level of patience with your suffering. If you can find some, you know, higher power to surrender your suffering to and, um, you know, figure out how you yourself can sit with this pain or whatever you're going through, um, that will be, you know one of the greatest spiritual lessons you'll you'll learn in this lifetime like there it is like you know uh, like you could get a lot out of like a tarot class or an astrology class or reading the bhagavad gita or studying yoga or whatever all of the different spiritual practices we could engage in right like you could learn a lot and those things are great but this month and figuring out um or really inviting in, I should say, that endurance and that um, acceptance and that present moment, that will teach you more about the spiritual path than you've ever learned before. That will actually bring you closer to spirit and closer to God and closer to your higher self and closer to who you are, who you truly are, um, too, in doing that. And that's kind of my reason for calling this month the ultimate spiritual retreat. Again, nobody signed up for this spiritual retreat. Um, nobody really wanted to go through this. But alas, here we are, right? And I wanted to say that there are a few things I asked the cards. And I also asked the I Ching, but I also asked the tarot cards. What are a few things that we can do um, to kind of engage in this practice of enduring um, suffering like how do we engage in this practice and the queen of pentacles did come out so i think this is like really beautiful and you know the queen of pentacles is about tending to the body and also tending to the home um, it sounds really 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 dumb what i'm about to say okay <laughs> 
I, I recognize that it sounds dumb, but I can't help but think it really is a really strong message that I'm getting from spirit. So I'm just going to say it, even if it sounds really basic and like, what does this even have to do with anything? Um, but I have a very strong feeling right now that people need to um, focus on the home. That's something that's been coming up a lot in readings like over and over again and again that rule of three like if it if that theme of the home comes up in like three or more readings for me within a week I know it's something about the universal energy too it's not just about that individual tending to the home both inside of ourselves the the metaphorical home um and also our literal living space tending to that I think this month is going to be a way to endure whatever is going on Um, because if we are comfortable and feel in balance and in a harmony with where we are living even if the location is not the best maybe we really want to move out of this city or this town or whatever um, wherever you are even if you're not satisfied with your location wherever you're sleeping at night or wherever, you know, wherever you're spending most of your time, wherever you call home at the moment, can you make that as harmonious and as uncluttered energetically as possible? Okay, that's going to be something that really helps us this month. If there is a place of just complete harmony, good energy, supportive energy, this place is like, the place in your house where you have your altar or whatever. Um, some of you may literally be doing um, some spring cleaning. Um, it's always been my intuitive feeling that that cliche of like, oh, it's spring cleaning. That spring cleaning thing should also happen now in October. Um, spring cleaning should happen around Samhain and around like Beltane. Um, so clearing out any clutter um, you know, the pile of clothes that you don't wear anymore, um, figuring out how to donate it to a women's shelter or whatever it may be, um, whatever, cleaning out your kitchen, painting a wall, painting the cabinets. Again, this stuff kind of sounds kind of dumb while I'm talking about it, but I can't emphasize enough. This was like the number one medicine that spirit was giving me for the sort of theme of the month, which is endurance. Um, figuring out how to make your living situation more harmonious, less cluttered, less filled with your own suffering, right? Um, That is really key. If you're not the kind of person who likes to clean or if you're not the kind of person who makes their bed every morning or whatever it may be, try to be that kind of person in October, like (laughs) I'm not kidding like you know do like a 30-day challenge of making your bed every morning like be that person um that is going to help a lot for some reason okay I can't put my finger on it but maybe at the end of the month like a handful of you will message me and be like hey you ended up being right so I'm just gonna say it okay the other thing that I was coming to me um is other ways we can we can have endurance with our own suffering um i have two other things engaging with a spiritual study engaging with a spiritual study my friends 
if everything is going wrong and everything is being stagnated and, um, you know, you're not where you are with your life and you're feeling dissatisfied with the timeline and you're feeling ominous about the future and you feel isolated and, you know, nothing's going your way or whatever it may be, um, there could be no greater opportunity than to engage in some kind of spiritual study. Okay. And I think this is something that a lot of people are awakening to. Um, that's been, um, something that's been happening this year with all of this suffering, right. That we've been going through this year with all of the collective upheaval, with all of the sort of illumination that, um, I think this world and this country at least have not really made the progress that it has claimed to have made, right? Like the fact that our country, it's 2020 and essentially we're still, we're kind of stuck in like almost the moment we signed the constitution. Like, oh my, like I'm not kidding. Like, I mean, are, are the rights that we have right now, like really that much evolved to, you know, whatever, when we first like signed the constitution, you know, (laughs) like I, I have this like odd, weird feeling that we're just like in this weird time warp where we think we're making progress, but we're not. And everybody's kind of awakening to the fact that, quite like quite obviously you know no matter your political views I think that everybody could agree that we literally haven't made progress um with a lot of things you know I'm not saying that to be a pessimist I'm just saying it to be like here are the facts like here are the facts um uh the the progress that we've said we have made has been kind of all a facade yeah right Um, so when we're having all those realizations and all that energy is here about like awakening to the truth, you know what happens? A lot of people start to awaken to their own individual truth, right? And I think a lot of people have been awakening to the fact that they want to invite spirituality or a higher calling into their life, right? So if that's been you, this is your green light this month, perfect way of enduring, perfect way of displaying that you have endurance for your suffering, you know, is to engage in whatever spiritual study that is calling you. Um, It could be tarot, astrology, yoga, Um, even for some of you who are healing some um, like organized religion kind of stuff. um, I actually got the message that for some of you re-engaging with the like, let's say it's like the Bible or something like that. Um, let's say you grew up in a really like strict Catholic household and it gave you a lot of trauma, um, or something. Um, for some of you, again, take this with a grain of salt, let it fly if it doesn't resonate. For some of you, re engaging with that religion in a way that feels better to you, in a way that empowers you, and redefining what that religion means to you that would be a really good use of this time, you know? And okay, lastly, the most important thing um, that I keep coming back to is, um, and this is why I'm like, I'm so, I couldn't, I can't even express how grateful I am that I do the job that I do. And I cannot even express how grateful I am that like people want to come and have an appointment with me for whatever. um, Because it gives me this amazing 
you know, however long the appointment is, 30 minutes, an hour, an hour and a half, um, it gives me this amazing chunk of time where I can be fully present with someone else's problems. <laughs> and that is the honestly one of the greatest gifts of my life. It, it really is. And I would encourage you to, if you feel too involved in your own suffering, if you feel too involved with the ego story about like getting the trophy and, you know, whatever it may be, or if you feel like, oh, my life sucks, I'm just like gonna curl under a rock for the rest of the year, whatever it may be. Um, if there's any way possible that you can help another person or hold space for another person and their suffering, that will help your suffering. <laughs> you will help if you can really be an undivided listener for someone and really hold space for them and support them um, and just listen. It's not about saying, oh, yeah, I've been through that, too. And like, I get it. And like, la, la, la. like really just being an undivided listener and learning to be a better listener at this time is really important as well. So this is kind of the lesson for me with the six of pentacles. Like if you're too involved in your own suffering, help someone else. Um, if you're too, if you have this ego story of, um, you know, you've got it the worst out of everybody, you know, go engage with someone, um, you know, and listen to their story right? Remind yourself that everybody is suffering in some context right now, right? And I'm not trying to belittle the suffering that you may be going through at all, right? Because again, it sucks. And I've been, the reason I have these spiritual, these messages for you is because these are the things that I've experienced this month, right? So I totally understand. I totally get it. Um, This isn't like, not to be crass but it's not like a dick measuring contest of suffering here right like you know it's more and I'm not trying to belittle anything that you may be going through um it's just kind of coming back to that reminder it's like that old saying if we all threw our suffering in the middle of a pile we would like grab our own problems back right if you have that kind of experience this month that will help you Like if you realize that you would actually prefer your own problem right now to someone else's, that might help you. Okay. Um, So those are my messages for this month. Um, And I think that is about it. And let me see how much, how much time have I been blabbing? Oh God. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's take it down a notch. Um, (laughs) I hope the October sermon resonated in some way for you. Now in the next segment, I'm going to be going in depth with the March, sorry, not the March, the Mars retrograde forecast for each rising sign. So do check, do go in the show notes and check the timestamp, okay? And um, that's just going to save you some time. So check the timestamp of where your um, rising sign begins and then you can listen from there. 
And then I have another timestamp down there, which will then lead you to the Q&A portion of this month. Okay, so I'll see you guys in the next segment. All right, friends, we're back. Let's go through sort of the the Mars retrograde forecasts for your rising sign. Now, I do, I would recommend that you're listening to this for your rising sign, not your sun sign, not your moon sign, your rising sign. Now, you can listen to the sun sign and moon sign part and see if it resonates, but I do have a feeling that you're going to most likely resonate with the rising sign forecast, okay? And the purpose of doing this is right now we're kind of in the thick of Mars retrograde. Um, So we have already been boiling with all of these frustrations and tensions and uh, just like overall kind of feelings of being stuck, right? So at this point, in the Mars retrograde, we're all very much aware in some context about what we're going through, even if we haven't yet put astrological context to what we're going through. Okay, so I guess this is just my purpose is to give you a little bit more astrological context behind any frustration that you may be having right now so that you can have that awareness, right? Because sometimes when we just bring some simple awareness to our astrological transits, it really helps. It helps with the suffering a little bit, you know? Uh, So let's just get into it. So let's start with Aries rising. So Aries, Mars is going retrograde through your first house. So that's big, right? That's a lot. Um, Aries rising, what, let's talk about what is the, um, what are the themes of the first house? We have our self, our personality, but also it's about our body and our physical health. Um, that's my feeling. I think the first house definitely has a lot to do with health. Um, usually we pair the sixth house with the kind of health related things, but I'm starting to find that Um, The sixth house is really more about illness, um, whereas the first house is a little bit more like our health and vitality, if that makes sense. So with Mars retrograde, you know, with Mars going retrograde through the first house of physical health and vitality, you may very well feel um, more than anybody that sort of physical draining of your energy during Mars retrograde, which is probably not very welcomed for you because as an Aries rising, your your ascendant ruler is Mars, right? So you're you're the type of person who wants to take action, wants to keep going, wants to push it be pushing forth, right? Um but with Mars retrograde in your first house, there's probably um you know maybe not the motivation to do that at the moment. So I would just offer you this don't push yourself right if you're feeling drained if you're feeling energetically drained just just let it let it happen right um you know just rest I know that sounds kind of 
like I'm oversimplifying the the issue here, but <laughs> but really allow yourself to rest if you need it. Again, if you're energetically drained, don't force it because I say that too because sometimes when we're already energetically drained and our mind our mind, sorry, our spirit and our body are saying please slow down, please let me rest, but the mind says, nope, we got to keep going. That's actually when um, literally like accidents happen. <laughs> like that's when we like trip and fall or when we like um, are chopping a carrot or whatever and we like slice our finger. Like sometimes things can happen physically that hurt us when we push through too much so if you're trying to push through something and you like stub your toe really badly again it's a sign that just stop trying to push through I also noticed that Saturn is in your 10th house so that Mars Saturn square is happening between the first and 10th for you so there is some tension between the self and the career um, for some Aries rising people, there could be this sort of um, like, is my, you know, is my career really for me? You know, there could be a sort of even identity crisis with Mars retrograde in the first house. Who am I? And is my career supporting who I am? Or is it deterring from that? right? That could be for some of you. Another manifestation of first house, 10th house tension would be um, my physical health is being affected by my career in some way. So it could be that you're, you've never been busy, as busy as you have been this year with work and working from home and having those sort of challenges with setting boundaries with working from home. And now you're like, now my health is suffering because of the imbalance, you know, between myself and work, okay? So again, allowing those things to be there, right? And Mars retrograde is not saying, you know, we need to find a new job and quit this right this minute, right? Um, but it's more drawing us into this sort of, um, more of a meditation, like, okay, why am I unhappy or, or why am I um, feeling like I've outgrown this and just sitting with that, okay, just sitting with that. And again, that's not for everybody. There could be, there's a huge scale of of experiences that could happen for every Aries rising or every rising sign in general. So take these things with a grain of salt. They may resonate in some way, but it might not be entirely uh, what you're experiencing. So was there anything else? There was one more thing that I felt like I wanted to say with Aries rising, Aries rising, <laughs> Bueller, Bueller. Oh, um, I th oh yes okay I think that for Aries rising there just needs to be more space for taking care of the physical health so if there is again if you're in a situation where it's like work 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 my entire life is work and then by the end of the day I'm exhausted and I'm eating like crap and I don't exercise and I feel you know eh, that kind of thing like I feel like a sack of potatoes <laughs> um 
it's sort of like that invitation with this Mars retrograde to just make time, even if it's 20 minutes of stretching in the morning or 20 minutes of um, making sure you're you're eating a healthy breakfast or whatever that is. That's going to really, really help. Okay. Taurus rising. You have Mars retrograde. You have Mars going retrograde in the 12th house of the subconscious of um, the 12th house is a little bit about isolation. It's about a retreat. It's about sometimes mental health. So I would say it's probably safe to say that Taurus risings might be feeling even more isolated than the rest of us in some way uh, because the 12th house, transits to the 12th house, tend to bring up that feeling of isolation. Um, So if you've been feeling more isolated than usual, granted the theme of isolation has been coming up this whole year for everyone, but especially for the Taurus rising right now, if you've been feeling more isolated than usual, it's, I mean, it's in the stars. It's definitely valid. Um, I remember during the Venus retrograde in Gemini earlier this year, that was actually moving through my 12th house. So, and I remember during that Venus retrograde, a lot of like repressed things came up for me that I previously thought that I was quote unquote over. (laughs) And I was like, this is weird. Like I thought I was over this issue or I thought I was past this by now. And like certain things came back up for me. And I think that's sometimes what happens when we're having a 12th house transit. It's like that thing that we thought we were over comes knocking on our door once again. But it's actually quite a gift when that happens because what we can do is we can sort of just invite it into our lives a little bit more. I know that sounds counterintuitive. You're like, Mal, why would I invite this like repressed pain or this repressed memory back into my life like I want it to go away like I want to stuff it back down in the 12th house right um but that's not necessarily what we're then in your next 12th house transit you're gonna have to deal with it again right (laughs) so this is sort of your chance to sweep stuff out from under the rug and bring it up and you're not trying to fix anything though you're just coming to acceptance with what it is you know just that's your only goal just accepting it not trying to fix it not trying to make it go away just bringing acceptance to you having this challenge at the moment that's it now you're also saturn is also squaring you from the ninth house, Taurus rising. Um, So what this means too is I think there's some tension between your inherited belief system, you know, which is the ninth house, and the 12th house of the subconscious. So for some of you, there could literally be like religious upbringing trauma coming up or um, yeah, like there could be some kind of inherited belief trauma coming up like oh I inherited this belief that I'm not worthy and now it's really you know coming up or I and I went to Sunday school every day until I was 18 and I inherited this belief that sex is bad and now it's coming up you know there there might be something like that for some of you um so keep that in mind Gemini rising you have a 11th house 
um, transit going on right now. So Mars is moving through the 11th house for you. Oddly, I think it's, you know, the 11th house being about friends and groups and networks for Mars retrograde to be going through the 11th house, you may be feeling more isolated from those friends or groups or networks and or you could also be feeling like do are these friends right for me is this group right for me is this network right for me um is this really um like benefiting me in any way or is this group network coven zoom meeting whatever it may be is this now starting to drain me of my resources of my energetic resources i also think that the 11th house does have this sort of subcategory of like hopes and dreams and ambitions so there could kind of be like a little bit of a loss of hope or a loss of motivation when it comes to pursuing those dreams and ambitions Gemini I don't think it's necessarily a sign that you should quit anything I just think it's a sign that you just need to kind of stop and regroup for a second Um, because sometimes when we lose motivation to go after our dream I don't think it's always like up you know the dream is lost you should quit I think it's just we're regaining inspiration and that's okay to have these moments where we have to regain inspiration for moving forth now Saturn is also squaring Saturn is in your eighth house squaring Mars retrograde in your 11th house so there could also be some kind of tension too um with eighth house things like um loans taxes shared resources the money that your partner or spouse makes um really any kind of money that you owe or any kind of money that you share with another person there could be some kind of tension with that coming up um especially when it comes to like money that you're spending on dreams hopes and ambitions (laughs) slash friendships right there could actually be this is a really specific manifestation but for some gemini rising out there there could be a realization like wow like my friends or this specific friend is really materially driven and i like can't afford to be friends with them because when i am friends with them we end up spending a bunch of money that i don't have right um i know that's kind of a stretch um once that did happen to me like once i really realized like wow like I can't hang out with this friend without spending like beyond my budget and it was just really um it was really kind of sad because I really liked that friend but also it was sign a sign that the friendship wasn't being able to survive on just like quality time like there also had to be some sort of going out to eat or um whatever shopping like there couldn't it wasn't just like let's hang out and chill you know so that could be something that a few gemini risings are going through at the moment now the eighth house is also about death and loss okay so again there could be something with that theme coming up um during this time as well uh so cancer rising Mars is retrograding through your 10th house and squaring Saturn in your 7th house. So it's that tension between 10th house themes like career, public persona, public appearance, 
being seen publicly um, with tension to your seventh house of relationships, right? So for some of you, you could be kind of reassessing like the business partnerships that you have, right? Um, you could also just be thinking about um, almost like your brand, especially if you're a creative or you're a business owner or whatever it may be. Cancer Risings could especially be in a place right now where they're thinking about rebranding, right? I speak from personal experience because this has sort of been the theme of my Mars retrograde um, with me being a Cancer rising. Um, rebranding, like I'm like, how do I rebrand? How do people see me? Is my brand really indicative of who I am, right? Um, so it's a very like 10th house, 7th house tension now, for other people, um, you know, a manifestation of this could be that you're having tension with some of your co your coworkers. Um, you know, you're maybe even considering like, is this a deal breaker for this job? Like, I can't seem to get along with my boss or my whatever this coworker just feels like we can't resolve this issue. Um, is this a big enough issue where I'm thinking about? you know, going to another company or I'm like thinking about going somewhere else. Now, granted, I would not make that move during a Mars retrograde. I would more sit with the problem and see if the problem can somehow be mitigated just by you accepting that it's there instead of trying to change it. Okay, that's kind of the theme of Mars retrograde in my opinion. It's meant to be more of this time of let's accept this instead of like let's figure it out and analyze the shit out of this and find a way to like, you know, go to like um you know the place where no suffering exists right and it's all an ego story because even if we did move jobs to get away from our old boss that we hate in that new job odds are there's going to be another person that we don't like you know or we don't agree with right so the problem tends to follow us um until we kind of accept what it is okay um, Leo rising, Mars is going retrograde through your ninth house and squaring Saturn in your sixth house. So I think with the ninth house, we're back with those themes of God, religion, spirituality. Mars being retrograde there is interesting. Um, again, there could be an examination of the belief system, like how much of these beliefs are mine or um, are these beliefs that I'm carrying around actually inherited from my upbringing or society or my parents and are they really me? There could be quite a hero font kind of uh, moment for you going on during Mars retrograde. If you're a tarot reader, you know, the hero font card, um, that could almost be kind of your theme uh, of this Mars retrograde Leo rising. But then also with Saturn squaring you, your Mars in the sixth house, um, I feel like there is sort of a focus somehow on the daily schedule. There might be some interesting tension with like I want to be spiritual or I want to invite spirituality into my life or I want to have a spiritual practice, but how do I actually make time 
for that, right? Um, that could be something that you're thinking about. How do I make time for the thing that I love and the thing that I truly believe in? Um, with Saturn in the sixth house, there could also be um, some health issues coming up though. Um, so I would definitely recommend too that you are kind of taking similar advice from Aries rising too, like making sure this is time for rest. If your body says no, listen, you know, um, that's the thing with Mars retrograde. We can't fight the body. We can never fight the body, but especially in Mars retrograde, just surrender to the body, surrender to what the body tells you. Okay. Virgo rising, Mars is retrograde in your eighth house. So we have, again, those those themes of shared resources. So the money that your partner is making um, or, um, you know, whatever it may be, shared income, loans, taxes, um, insurance, you know, th those kind of monetary themes might be coming up for you, Virgo rising. The eighth house is also... Um, yes, it's about death. It's also about sex. So I wonder for some of you too, it's not really, for me, like romance is more of like a fifth house, seventh house kind of thing. Um, but I think it, it ties into the eighth house too. So maybe for a few of you, some interesting like, um, sexual, repression kind of stuff might be coming up there might be kind of a a call to be like I want to be more sexually liberated or I want to liberate myself from um from any sort of um inherited beliefs about sex that I may have that could be for a few of you um but I think for the vast majority of you there might just be simply some tension when it comes to finances um, but yet again, though, Saturn is squaring you from the fifth house, right? Um, so Saturn is in your fifth house right now. So again, we have those themes of like joy, romance, um, you know, pleasure, children, uh, for a few Virgo risings, um, you're really going to be considering how much <laughs> could be for some of you, how much money you're giving your children. Like if any of your children are sort of taking advantage of your, um, of your, I don't know, finances in some way, or if you need to set a boundary with how much money you're willing to give one of your children or whatever it may be, there could be some tension there for a few of you. Um, yeah, so, and then another manifestation for Virgo rising could be, do I have the resources to actually support my creative projects? That could also be something that's coming up. So that theme of creativity, this is the creative project that I'm working on, but do I actually have the money to start this right now? Libra. Mars is going retrograde through your seventh house of partnerships. Okay, so I think it's like an especially trying time for a lot of partnerships right now just because quarantine has sort of changed a lot of the dynamics, um, especially if you and your partner are both now like working from home. Um, this kind of feels to me like there could be some tension with not necessarily... Um, like the quality of your partnership but maybe the quality of your 
alone time that you maybe used to have away from your partner and now you don't have that alone time anymore right and it's sort of like um it's sort of like affecting the partnership because both people or both parties are sort of lacking that sort of personal independent life that you typically have and now it's sort of like we're stuck at home together and now like what do we do right so for some of you that theme could be coming up if you are not partnered and you are a Libra rising um embrace it okay like this is actually the time to really manifest um that partner that you kind of would like to bring into your life it's a time to really think about um uh, what, 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 what went wrong in past relationships, the patterns that you no longer want to repeat in future relationships, um, and the quality, the qualities that you really, really want to invite in for your next relationship. Okay. So really embracing being single and being independent right now and and just really thinking about too um what you have to what you have to bring into a relationship right um and then saturn squaring your fourth house libra um to that seventh house fourth house tension relationships and the home life right um for even some libra risings there could be a situation where you like wanted to break up with someone um or wanted to sort of part ways with whoever you're living with and um you know coronavirus kind of happened and then you somehow kind of got stuck (laughs) with this relationship because it's sort of like we're quarantined together and now i feel like i can't get out of this so There could be some kind of tension like that um, with relationships and the home life in a very simple manifestation too. It could be like me and my partner are fighting about the color we want to paint our kitchen, right? Um, It's sort of that that kind of uh, situation here. Scorpio rising. Okay, Mars is going retrograde through your sixth house. So those themes of the daily schedule and your physical, um, not so much physical health, but um, any sort of chronic illness that some people may have, um, I would say watch for like flare-ups of inflammation during this time. I'm not trying to like be ominous or cast any like... (laughs) um bad omens when i say that but i just think it's legitimate because mars is literally the planet of fire and inflammation is sort of that too much of that fire element um so some of you who do who scorpio risings who do have a chronic illness just again listen to the body if you do feel like inflammation is is really happening for you where there's an increase in migraines or um, stomach pains or just feeling really lethargic and energetically drained um, you know respecting that just respecting that this is what your body is going through at this time um, and supporting that in a way now it's also my feeling too I promise I'm not I really hope this doesn't come off as love and light what I'm about to say um but I I do feel like in a more spiritual view of illness I think there are genetic factors to illnesses I think there are um 
environmental factors to illnesses, but I also think there's really big emotional factors to illnesses that we don't always look at just because Western medicine doesn't like to admit that, <laughs> you know, that there are emotional factors to, um, to certain things or, um, you know, I'm not saying at all that we cause our illnesses or we manifest our illnesses. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just kind of thinking that maybe for some of you during this time, you might be examining or might be called to examine how your maybe trauma or emotional world does at times like affect your physical health right those sort of like psychosomatic symptoms like oh when I get stressed my my problem flares up right when I get stressed I have a rash or when I'm really stressed I get really dizzy um or around this time of year when I experience this passing of my loved one that's when my chronic illness flares up the most right like just noticing these things I think could be really helpful. Um, yeah, and I hope I don't offend anybody with that again, um, but I'm just kind of putting it out there. Um, now, Saturn is also squaring, um, or is in your third house. So the third house is communication, siblings, immediate environment. So for some of you, there could be some tension with a sibling, um, there could be some tension with um, communication in some way, maybe not being able to communicate exactly how you're feeling or, um, yeah, just some kind of communication issue or technology issue could also be coming up too. So just noticing how those third house themes and those sixth house themes also manifest Granted, one more thing about the sixth house for you, Scorpio Risings. Some For some of you, it's not about illness. It's about um, your schedule. It's about your schedule supporting you for your success. Does the way you use... Um, the way you use your time, is it supporting you or is it taking away from your optimal performance <laughs> that's a bad way of putting it um but really really examining are there any like loopholes in the way I'm spending my time that's really just adding negative negativity to my life it could be like oh I just realized that I scroll on my phone for four hours a day like and I could be using that time for something else so really being mindful of how you how you are using your time and examining how you are using your time Okay. Sagittarius rising. Mars is going retrograde through your fifth house, um, squaring Saturn in your second house. So again, for some of you that those themes of, of children and money are coming up, right? But also, um, I would say with a retrograde through the fifth house, you could be examining creative projects, um, but maybe feeling a little bit of like that writer's block or feeling like you've lost your inspiration um, in some way, or just feeling like you don't have room for joy or pleasure or you like don't have it in you kind of thing. Um, I want to say I would... See, I've been saying to every other sign that just to accept the challenge at hand and just kind of surrender to it. But for some reason, I'm being kind of called to say to the Sagittarius Risings, 
don't give in to the writer's block. Don't give in to the like lack of inspiration or don't give in to the sort of like, oh, like I, I'm just like not in the mood for joy or pleasure. I'm just going to be like Hamlet and like wear my inky cloak and just be like emo and just not not do anything like I want you Sagittarius rising to push yourself just a little bit and just like create something even if it's just like a shitty poem or like the shitty painting or whatever it may be um or even like again if I I'm so sorry I mentioned this book way too much um at this point Julia Cameron should be sponsoring my podcast um because I mentioned her so much but if you haven't listened to my artist way episodes listen to those or read the artist way I'm also a big fan of um, Elizabeth Gilbert. Her book, um, I think it's called Big Magic, which is similar to The Artist's Way. In a sense, it's just like commentary about how to be a creative or how to invite more creativity into your life. Um, These things are important, and I don't think you should surrender to just like... Don't surrender to the writer's block. That's what I'll say for the Sagittarius Rising. Now with Saturn squaring in your second house, I think you're remembering too that it doesn't cost money to be creative. You don't need you don't need the fanciest camera to film your videos. You don't need the best um, paints to make something. You don't need to have an MFA to get your poem published. You don't need to have an MFA to write your book. Okay. That kind of stuff. Don't let your lack of like finances keep you from pursuing your creative project. Cause that could actually, what could actually end up happening is when we invite creativity into our life, we invite in this really magical, vibe of abundance that actually ends up attracting more abundance to us um like I won't say I I don't know if she really wants to be mentioned so I won't say her name but I know someone who just is like honestly the most inspiring creative I know like she just like wakes up every day and like makes these like watercolor painting stuff and it just really inspires me and she just does it because that's what supports her and like that's what she loves emotion it's emotional support for her um and then somehow she ended up like manifesting and attracting like I'm not kidding I think it was like a $10,000 scholarship to go to an art school like randomly like you know like this shit just happens when you push yourself a little bit and invite that creative abundance in okay um so I think that person that I'm talking about is a Sagittarius rising. So that's freaky. If that, I think she's a Sagittarius rising. Or maybe not, maybe a Sagittarius sun. But she has some kind of Sagittarius in there. Um, So I'll leave it at that. Capricorn, um, fourth house, Mars retrograde. So some, a lot of tension, I think, at the home. A lot of tension with where you are living. You know, there might be questions about like, should I move or... um, should I redo my house or whatever it may be? If you are, I mean, you can totally redo your house and like feng shui and Marie Kondo and do all that stuff um, for the Capricorn Risings. Like really make your home an oasis, even if you're not happy with your current living situation. Because sometimes I find when we're not happy with our living situation specifically, what what ends up happening is we end up like 
being like, uh, I hate the color of that room, but I'm just going to leave it because I'm going to move. Or, uh, my closet is a complete disaster and the clutter in this room is stressing me out, but I'm just going to leave it there because I'm trying to move or whatever it may be. My invitation is actually not to do that. I think you should tackle the clutter, paint the wall, rearrange the furniture, um, move bedrooms, whatever it may be. Like, make your living situation, especially if it is undesirable at the moment, make it as desirable as you possibly can. And again, it's sort of like reverse psychology. It's like once you do that, then you invite the abundance in in order for that, um, you know, that ideal living situation to manifest, okay? But also there could be tension at the ho- in the home when it comes to, like, who you are living with, whether, whether it be family members or your roommate or whatever it may be. Um, Saturn, so Mars retrograde in the fourth house, squaring Saturn in the first house. So... Oh, Capricorn rising. Yeah, um, there's just some tension between who you are and your identity and where you are living. For some of you, you may even be considering like, is the energy of like the town or the city or the place that I'm living in, is it actually draining me? You know, because I think that can sometimes happen. We don't realize that our external environments are like affecting us so deeply until we just realize like, oh my God, like, you know, I just can't live in a city anymore. Um, You know, I think uh, maybe some of you are like, I need to move to the forest or I need to move to somewhere that really supports my mental and spiritual and physical health. Now, again, this doesn't have to be about moving physical locations for everybody for some of you it could just be simply um you know it could be simply redoing your home or considering how to invite in more balance not only with yourself but also with your home life and how those two things are interconnected because you are your ultimate home right your body is your ultimate home um so really caring too for the physical body at this time is going to be important aquarius rising Mars is going retrograde through your third house and squaring Saturn in the 12th house. Okay, so again, third house, Mars retrograde, um, issues with communication, technology, um, writing, issues with siblings, um, maybe even some issues with or challenges with um, your immediate environment in some way. Uh, the third house too, I feel like has to do with authenticity in some way, like authenticity when it comes to how you've been communicating with the people that you love, um, and how you've been communicating just everything. And the fact that Saturn is in your 12th house, squaring Mars retrograde in your third, it feels to me like there's something that might need to be communicated or like there's an elephant in the room and for some of you that like <laughs> you're trying to figure out like how to actually say or verbalize or whatever it may be so my invitation for you Aquarius rising is to not hold it in to find someone like trusted to talk about these things with and um 
And even if you can't tell the person who it's like most important to speak with, I think that, you know, telling someone who is unbiased about certain things um, could help you kind of clear the air energetically with yourself so you can figure out a good plan with how to communicate what you're feeling okay um again I that doesn't really make sense to me whatever I just said just felt very channeled (laughs) um so I I think this might apply to just maybe a few of you or a handful of you um but yeah there there there's something there for someone and finally we're gonna get to the Pisces rising person so Mars is going retrograde through your second house of personal finances and Saturn is squaring Mars from your 11th house of friendships oh my god this was so funny um my friend um who's a Pisces rising I actually by the way before I put this together I texted everybody I knew and I like interviewed them about what they're going through right now while I was looking at their charts (laughs) this is like how I do astrological research it's like I'm not even like looking at books I'm just like all right I'm gonna talk to someone and see what they're going through and let's see how it applies to the Mars retrograde squaring Saturn Um, but my Pisces rising friend who I was kind of collecting information from I was like so yeah is there any like is there any tension between um, your finances and your friendships? Like, can you think of anything like that? And um, <laughs> we realized in a, like a really funny way that like I'm this I'm the transit for her in some way <laughs> because this Pisces rising friend she's been going like really crazy with buying gifts this year for her friends. And luckily, you know, I'm so thankful for her support. The way she's been buying gifts for people like on birthdays and things like that is she's been purchasing um, my happy birthday readings. (laughs) So she's been going like a little too crazy on my happy birthday readings, buying them for other people. And um, by the way, shameless plug, I have <laughs> I have a reading on my website. It's um, literally it's like a birthday gift. Um, it's a happy birthday reading. It's a written reading, and um, and yeah, it's a it's a, people really like it for their birthday present. It's just like kind of like a mini year ahead reading or whatever so um yeah me and this Pisces rising friend we were laughing and she kind of decided like she has to cool it on you know buying all these gifts for her friends and she kind of um came to the conclusion that she just feels really sorry for everybody who has a birthday in 2020 because which is technically everybody that sounds dumb but she just feels bad for the people who have birthdays this year because it feels like you can't do anything with them or like you know there's not like the typical birthday celebration so she's been like making an effort to buy everybody a gift they feel special but it's been to her financial detriment (laughs) so Pisces rising watch thin pulse purchases during the Mars retrograde watch um how you're spending your money um it's a very Pisces rising thing to kind of um 
you know, spend money on your friend or on your loved one because you want them, you want them to feel better, but also don't do it unless you can afford it, right? Like really, um, really make sure that you're not making purchases or spending money on things that you can't afford, right? And um, it's okay to say no, you know, and be like, all right, I'm taking a rain check on doing this or buying this or I'm going to come back to this later um, and and revisit if I can really buy this later in time okay okay my friends I hope this helped somehow Um, and in the next segment we'll be getting into the Q&A Okay, if you if you're still listening and if you've made it this far in the episode, love you so much. We've finally arrived at the Q and A. I am I'm really sorry that I can't get this podcast to be shorter than it is, but we'll just go with it and I'll just own it. I'll just own it that my podcasts are, are really long and it's fine. Um, so. Again, thank you so much. If you've submitted a question for the Q&A, do know that, I know I said this last month, but my email and my DMs are open if you ever do want to submit a question um, for me to talk about on the monthly sermon Q&As. Please do not hesitate to reach out and send me your question, okay? And I'll leave it there. All of my contact information is below. So the first question I got from a listener, they they asked, when your job is related to spirituality, how do you establish boundaries for yourself between your business and your personal spiritual journey? Okay. So I think this was a really good question. And I think there's actually quite a few people who are listening to this who are healers or have a side hustle and do healing work or own their own healing business or whatever it may be and um or have some kind of job related to spirituality um an etsy shop whatever it may be um and i think that that work-life balance becomes really hard when you do start to like own your own business or um when you start to become one of your you you yourself and you and your talents or your gifts are starting to be monetized it can be really hard to find that balance uh, between your work life and um and just your own personal time. And I find one of the hardest things with this is just being connected to social media because sometimes I'll find myself like answering a question or trying to book something, you know, for, you know, at like eight o'clock at night or something when I'm just like not trying to work right now, but because social media is there and I see someone's messaging me, I'll like try to handle it in that moment. So it can be kind of a challenge to really keep your boundaries in check with yourself, you know? And I found too, I will say that the sort of format of being like, I wake up and I work from 10 to 7 and those are my working hours. I think that could work for some people who are having a, doing like a full-time spiritual or creative job, like they're working for themselves. That could work for some people. For me, I 
don't work like that. Um, I really, I really go day by day, and I I see what 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 needs to be accomplished day by day. I see if I'm seeing clients today, or if I need to do something creative like record a podcast or film a video for Patreon or whatever it may be. I really do take it day by day and organize my energy around that. Um, now, here's what I will say, though, to whoever answered, asked this question. Um, I think having, um, you know, however you want to work, organize your working days is up to you. But I think you really do having or having a non-negotiable day off um, is really key. I definitely have a non-negotiable day off. Um, and I also have a non-negotiable day where it's kind of like I don't take clients, but it's also not really a day off. It's more like a creativity day. It's a day where I view this being... Um, a day where I either work on creative projects or I just fill my cup so I can be inspired to continue to be creative. Because if you're giving all of that juice away to your business and you never have a day off and you never have a day where um, you're just devoting it to your own creativity, your spirituality, or whatever, you're going to eventually run out of juice. So I think over time, that's what I've come to. Like one day of rest, one day off, one day that's kind of like a havesies day off where I really focus on the creative journey and reconnecting to myself. And then my other days are open for clients or working on behind the scenes stuff like website building or Instagram or whatever it may be. Now, one thing I will say, though, is that I have um, this is this advice is coming from someone who like hasn't made it quote unquote, like I don't view myself as being a, um, a creative spiritual business owner who has quote unquote made it. Like I'm really thankful for the success that I've had so far, but I definitely don't have it all figured out. And one thing that I do struggle with as like, let's just say a healing artist or creative business owner is the, the sort of there are times it seems when things are really, really busy and then there are other times when I'm having um, a lag. Like, you know, like there's one month where I'll see like a ton of clients and then the next month uh, not so much, right? So it's very much um, like a feast or famine kind of <laughs> kind of situation that's kind of going on for me at the moment. Um, and that's okay. I think I've learned to sort of accept that some months are just busier than others, at least when you're first getting started, and to just not beat yourself up about that. Um, and of course, I do have the goal in mind, like I have the goal in mind to I would ideally eventually like to be booked out a month or a few months in advance. Um, but right now, my business is just not there. You know, it has been in certain months in the past. Um, but there's also other months where I'm not at that point, And that's okay. Um, so I just say that to kind of like be humble <laughs> and like I, I don't want to be like the voice of like I'm like this creative business coach that has it all figured out because I definitely don't and it's something that I'm still working on it myself but that's my that's my two cents of of 
with the question. Okay, so the next question is, um, we have like a little bit of a backstory here. So this person said, or this person shared, I grew up Mormon, and when I left, I spent many years strongly atheist and anti-spirituality because of the spiritual trauma of Mormonism. Studying climate change forced me into a kind of spiritual crisis, and I started exploring witchcraft as a way to connect and heal the earth. One thing I still struggle with in my spiritual practice is feeling that my spirit guides or tarot or whatever spiritual help I'm connecting to is quote unquote always watching and judging me. I often avoid pulling tarot when I'm suffering because I have this guilt and shame I'm still working through that makes me feel like tarot is disappointed in me. That same, um, the same with spirit guides. When I don't perfectly take the advice or guidance I get, I can't, I can get in a guilt cycle about my guides being frustrated or upset with me because I've quote unquote failed them. I know this is my upbringing and I'm trying to work through it. I'm wondering if you can speak to how spirit and tarot work um, when we don't always follow the guidance or when we are not always being diligent in our practice. Can you speak about how to approach spirit and tarot as entities that are aware of us and can see and know all and how they view failure and mess ups? Okay, wow. I thank you so much for bringing this up because um, I feel very passionate about this subject that you brought up. I I really understand that um in some way that like spiritual or religious trauma that comes from like a religious upbringing again like I don't really view my catholic upbringing as all that extreme and I'm sure your mormon upbringing is way way more extreme than than what I went through growing up just like casually catholic and catholic culture but do know i do understand and do empathize with some of the things that you are saying like when you have that religious trauma um approaching something like tarot can feel very triggering because up until this moment god was someone who was keeping tabs on you (laughs) like (laughs) like god was you know keeping track of your sins and um like um god is this figure at least in a lot of organized religion again I'm really not talking shit about religion let me just be clear I hope you know this by now about me but I I love religion you know my I was a religious studies major my religious studies took me to you know Malaysia and all of this stuff so I I love religion um and I think there's 100% a way to engage with it in a way that's extremely beneficial to someone's life um but we all know there's like a huge shadow side and toxicity with um with organized religion right so i think one of the most harmful 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 things that we've been conditioned to believe from a more religious perspective is that god is trying to punish us um in my perspective, that could not be further than the truth. You know, like I say this a lot to my tarot students, but I'm like, 
God isn't Santa Claus and your tarot cards are not Santa Claus. You know, no one's keeping tabs on you and no one's trying to punish you. In fact, um, this is going to get kind of like, excuse my Mercury and Aquarius, like what I'm about to say is kind of going to get kind of alien. But um, how I view, you know, our our soul's experience, I think that um, on earth... On earth, we sign up, you know, our soul really signs up to come to earth. And I think a lot of souls in this universe would actually like to come to earth because um, there's a an experience that a soul can have on earth that is much, 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 much more profound and deeper um, than on other planets or whatever you want to call it. So I, I think things tend to be maybe a little bit more harmonious and easier and um, a little bit more filled with like love and harmony in other planets with other beings, let's say. Yet those beings um, would like to experience what is experienced on Earth. Because on earth here, we have a deeper experience. We have um, the ability to love. And that also gives us the ability to hate. And we have the ability to do good, which also gives us the ability to do harm. You know, so there's all these very deep um, dualities and dichotomies on earth that I don't think other places in the universe have. So I think it's a very special thing to be on earth and to have chosen to come to earth. I say this because I think on some unconscious soul level, we 120% come to earth to fuck up, right? <laughs> we 120% come to earth to, um, to uh, get in a fight with someone, to hurt someone, to um, to be hurt by someone. Um, again, I'm not trying to love and light our suffering, but I think our souls choose to come to earth to have these very intense experiences, right? To really feel the full spectrum of what a soul can really experience, right? So to think that God is punishing us for a human experience that we signed up for couldn't be further than the truth, right? Um, like there, there really is no God that's like viewing us. And, and I know you know this into like in, on an intellectual level, but um, truly I don't feel like there's any sort of God or source who is staring down at us with binoculars and um, and just being like, all right, what are you up to? Like, <laughs> like I truly, truly believe that we are here to have a full range of human experiences. We're here to fuck up. We're here to, um, you know, um, make mistakes and we're here to really love and, and feel the full expect full spectrum of what it feels like to love ourselves. Right. Um, so I really think this idea of sin is a myth and you again probably know this intellectually or you feel this intellectually but it's that trauma is still in the body which is fine. Now one other thing that I wanted to touch on with this is that I think in the spiritual community 
you know, this, and I'm guilty of this. I'm not perfect. Um, so I think there's this sense of like with the memes and people kind of, um, maybe even saying like, oh, my guides were like, you know, don't do this. And I did it anyways. Or like my cards were like, you know, don't get back together with this fuck boy or like whatever it may be. Like there's just a bunch of like spiritual humor and spiritual memes that we see floating around on the internet that imply that our guides or our cards are yelling at us, right? Or like, they're like almost like shaking their finger at us, like, no, 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 like, don't go to this route, right? Um, I think that's all funny. And I think it's okay to make jokes about that. But at the end of the day, I never feel judgment from my guides. I truly don't feel like anybody's guides are judging them. I think there's only so much our guides can do for us. I think they can guide us, but they have no control over our free will and how we're choosing to kind of exhibit our free will, right? Um, and I, I do, I do feel like, although that stuff is funny, like I said, I also feel kind of conflicted about it because. I really don't think there's ever a time where tarot is yelling at us or um, our guides are yelling at us. Like I truly, truly think um, if we can reframe tarot and listening to our guides as just a source that is just genuinely trying to help and support us, um, that's how I view it. Like, even if I got, even if I did a card poll today and I got the tower and the nine of swords and the death card, I would in no way feel like my guides were yelling at me, um, and saying you're on the wrong path or whatever. I would think that, um, my guides are almost acknowledging what I'm going through, right? And understanding why I'm making the choices that I'm making. And I think it's all okay, right? Um, so I hope that kind of answered the question. I don't really think I did a very good job. But um, for the last part, can you speak to how to approach spirit and tarot as entities that are aware of us and can see and know all and how they view our failures and mess ups? Again, I don't think there's any source that's judging us because, again, the whole reason a soul would choose to come to Earth is because we're here to engage in the full spectrum of the human experience, which has to do with pain and love and pleasure and suffering. And um, it has to do with us hurting others and <laughs> loving others and all of the stuff that the hu the complexities of the human experience. So... If everybody's aware, if God and the universe and our spirit guides are and us are all aware that Earth is this place where the full spectrum of human experience is experienced, then I just don't buy into the fact that anybody could be like punishing us or judging us or whatever it may be. And one other thing I want to say is, um, you know, if we can get away from the the sort of uh, notion that God is trying to punish us, like, do, do try to get away from that in this lifetime. Like, do try to rewire that. <laughs> it's harder than it seems. It's harder than I'm making it sound. Um, but, but I think healing that and purging that and coming to a new truth within yourself, um, 
would be like life-changing for a lot of people and by the way god is this the second time i'm gonna uh, mention the artist way yeah it is um you know julia cameron in the artist way is like you know god wants to give you money like god wants you to be abundant god wants you to live your dreams and ambitions and blah 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 um so to really embrace that you also have to let go of you know god's trying to punish you Right. I hope I did that justice. Maybe we'll come back to it in another time. Let me know if I, if that helped or not. So, um, someone asked, can you see things about friendship in the birth chart? Yes, you can. Um, I would say there's a couple places in the birth chart we can, we can see friendship. Um, the 11th house is the most obvious like because the 11th house is about sort of our our networks our groups our friends but I also think the 7th house might actually contain our closer friendships like the the friends that sort of become family to us um and the third house is a little bit more like about the people we grew up with okay so I think if someone um comes to a birth chart reading and says like you know I've had a really hard time with the area of friendships in my life like can you illuminate that for me um we might be looking at the third house the 11th house and the 7th house right um and I think to how do I put this I think everybody feels like they're the only one that deals with um friendship problems or feeling like they don't have as many friends as everybody else but literally everybody feels that way right like I think the I know this isn't really part of your question but I just feel to to address it in a way um yeah I think everybody wants more friendships and I think the the theme of friendships is something that something that's something that weighs heavily on a lot of people's minds um but it's also the kind of thing that I think a lot of us hold in or a lot of us don't admit to ourselves because we don't want to come off as someone who like doesn't have friends or like struggles with how to approach friendships or whatever um so I think I think that's a very like common challenge for people our friendships in some way okay next question I would love to hear your thoughts about the world card it comes up frequently in readings and I've never I'm never sure how to interpret it I love this question okay so as we know the world card is the last card in the tarot, um, in the major arcana. And that's really significant because when we're looking at any major arcana card, we want to be aware of the order. Um, it's really significant um, with, with the major arcana cards, like what line is this card in and where is it placed and what, what's coming before it, what's coming after it. So, you know, what has come before the world card is every single card, you know, of the fool's journey. So there's a sense in the world card that we're almost digesting or um, marinating with almost like the entire journey in itself. Like it's not quite this card where we're at the finish line because there's something about the fool, what follows the world, it's the fool. 
So we know that after we kind of are birthed through the world, we will have to sort of go on a new journey and we're going to start this again. Um, but there is something about the world. It's about, um, it's not only about going into the new journey, but it's about reflecting on everything that you've learned within this cycle. You know, this cycle of life, what have you learned? And also, I can't, I love viewing it as sort of this graduation card. Like, I love the keyword graduation for the world. And that's what makes it different than the kind of ending we would experience in the death card or the kind of ending we would experience in the tower card. Um, you know, it's a different type of ending in the world card. It's a graduation. It's a celebration. It's a recognition of how far you've come and what everything, what this cycle held for you. Like you can literally connect to any sort of graduation you've ever had in your life, whether that be from high school or even kindergarten or whatever. Um, like, yeah, like the purpose of a graduation ceremony is to honor all of like the hard work and the lessons that you have put in and to also bless you on the next leg of your journey, right? Um, so that that's um, that's kind of the beautiful part about the world. Now I will say though, that the world is associated with Saturn. That is the planet that's associated with the world. And Saturn, it's so funny to me that Saturn comes at the end of the fool's journey because this is something that we'll see in all modes of divination, in the runes, in the I Ching, in the tarot, no matter what mode of divination that you're using, what you'll notice is that the quote-unquote final piece or the final card or the final story will always have some element of you're not done yet it's almost ironic right it's ironic that saturn comes in at the last point of the fool's journey because saturn reminds us there's always another lesson around the corner right saturn always says well you're not done yet like <laughs> right and that's how we go through a saturn transit you know, roughly every seven years, um, you know, there's something with Saturn happening in our charts, right? Because we're never done learning those lessons. Um, yeah. So that's my take on the world card. Uh, Saturn's really like the secret ingredient to that, to my understanding of it. Um, and then, okay, I love this question. This is perfect question to end on for October. Someone asked, with Samhain falling on a full moon this year, what are some rituals um, or what are some ways to celebrate using tarot, candle magic, or rituals? Um, so, okay, this is awesome. For the baby witches out there, this may be your first time um, celebrating Samhain. You know, this might be your first Samhain um and yeah how do how do we celebrate i'm gonna think back to my first Samhain which was in 2018 and i was still in Malaysia and i was trying to figure out like how to sort of celebrate Samhain and um i wanted to do some kind of like honoring of my ancestors but I didn't know how and I remember this conversation that I had with uh ethereal odyssey Allison um and uh, 
Allison, I was asking her for some ideas, so I'll give her credit for this uh, ritual. Um, she was giving me the idea that for Samhain, she not only honors her own ancestors, but she also honors like the the famous people and the celebrities or that like really inspire her, I guess. So she was talking about how she was going to have a picture of like Freddie Mercury on her um, Samhain altar because this is sort of like the celebrity or the persona that really inspires her. So I think that can be like a really fun way to also um, kind of celebrate Samhain. It's about acknowledging your ancestors and honoring the ancestors, maybe even having some pictures and or some things that remind you of your ancestors sort of displayed on an altar. But it could also be about like who is who is on the other side, you know, who is not on earth anymore that that inspires you, um, you know, and who would you like to be sort of your guardian angel for your goals this year? Like maybe you're a writer and you have a picture of, um, you know, I don't know, uh, Yates on your altar or maybe you're a tarot reader and you really want to be a professional tarot reader so you have Pamela Coleman Smith on your altar this year or whatever it may be like just really honoring anybody who's dead that inspires you that's like a really great mood for Samhain so I like to like you know yeah print out some pictures or just have some things that remind me of these people and remembering too, I think that Samhain, for me, Samhain isn't necessarily about manifestation or for asking for anything. Like, sure, we can set intentions for the new year on Samhain, but for me, like, Samhain's really about like giving gratitude to the other side in some way, giving gratitude to my guides and ancestors for guiding me, right? And celebrating that harvest, right? Um, so I think that can be a really good um, way to celebrate Samhain. Now, when it comes to using tarot, we could definitely be a great time to do a ritual with the death card. The death card is the card of Scorpio season. It's the card of Samhain. Um, and we can really, how we do a ritual with the death card is um, it's totally up to you and your creativity. What I would kind of do is I would really consider like what are the themes within the death card? Like what is really ending for me this year? How have I grown this year? What is the old identity that I'm now ready to put to rest and um, almost having sort of a little bit of not a funeral, but a little bit of an honoring for the old self that you are sort of letting go. Um, Clarissa Pincola Estes, she says that people die a thousand deaths before they're 20 years old or some shit like that. And um, I think it's true and we don't do a good enough job of like honoring and really having like the the service or the funeral or the the um, ritual that honors that old self that we are forgiving and we're understanding like why that old self did the things that they did and it's fine and we're accepting them and and we're also realizing that although we're kind of 
letting go, quote unquote, of that old self, that's still a part of you that's going to need to be honored, right? So it's this kind of, um, it can be with the death card, it can be a ritual about the many selves that, you know, you used to be. And um, honoring all of those things, not to like put them to rest and be like, I hate that version of myself. I'm putting it into the ground. It's not like that. It's more about just honoring who you were and why you were like that and, you know, showing forgiveness. Um, Yeah, that idea of forgiving the self could be really, really powerful um, with this full moon too. And granted, I know now I'm blabbing. But uh, with the full moon on the 31st, um, Uranus is involved. We talk about this. We talked about this. So um, the moon in Taurus is conjunct Uranus, opposition or opposing the sun in Scorpio. So there's this implication that we could have a really, really nice, big shift. You know, I mean, it might not manifest like that for everybody, but we could have this sort of psychological shift when it comes to our own healing, right? And it's a great time. For some reason, this is coming to me right now, but I think it's a great time for self-forgiveness. Realizing that you are doing absolutely the best you can. Every version of yourself has always been doing the best that you could um, with what you had been given at the time. And you also are carrying years and generations of stuff and to be the one in your family's generation that is actually healing it's a big deal it's a big thing so really honoring that within you showing compassion for that within you and that would be what I ask from my ancestors I just say continue to help me heal you know the wounds that I need to heal you know for this family um, but not getting too involved, not getting so engrossed in that, that I become the ancestor, right? Because I think that's sometimes where we go wrong with our ancestral healing. It's okay. I mean, we must acknowledge the roots of our trauma. We must acknowledge, um, every, where we came from and like what our ancestors went through and how we still carry that. But we also have to recognize that we are in this body and in our own personal soul for a reason. So we are carrying, yeah, maybe the karma of our ancestors, the stories and lessons of our ancestors. um, But we are also our own person, right? With the ability to break free from all of that. Okay, so great. Uh, Yeah, Uranus, breaking free, breaking free breaking free from the old story or whatever the old identity or whatever you want to let go of okay so i hope that helps i hope everybody has a very special Samhain this year really hang in there for october um i let's see i have a a couple you can x out if you don't want to hear my marketing um right now but i um just a couple things that i'm offering this month um in the month of october i have a special sort of astrology reading for um just the rest of the year if you want kind of to discuss if you're feeling a little bit hopeless or you're feeling like you want to throw in the towel or slash you just want to know how to ultimately use the energy at hand in your highest good or whatever you might want your intention to be 
I have an astrology reading where we really focus on your transits for the rest of the year and how to sort of move through these in the in a way that kind of supports you I guess you could say so that's on my website the link is in the show notes it's under the book a session tab and it's called like last quarter of 2020 astrology reading or last quarter of 2020 planetary reading it's called something like that so I have that on top of all of my usuals my regular astrology readings my tarot readings and um my um distance reiki healings i wanted to also say that um i think if you've gotten a distance reiki healing from me i was really surprisingly busy with those in september and i enjoy doing them so so much so i have a couple options too if you've never done a distance energy healing you may be thinking like how the heck does that work if i'm in like Hawaii and you're in Chicago, like how are you going to clear my energy? (laughs) Um, Reiki is really like magical and it kind of defies the laws of of space and time. So um, that's really how these energy healings work. Um, But I've been kind of experimenting with different options with how the formatting goes with the energy healings. So just know that if you have an energy healing scheduled with me, and this is on my website, when you schedule, you'll have these options. But we can do it one of three ways. We can literally talk over Zoom we can call each other on the phone and then I can we can hang up, I'll do the healing and then we call each other again to talk about what's going on. Or there could literally be a no talk, no Zoom option and we really just agree on the time and we say, okay, on Wednesday at 12 o'clock, um, I'll be sitting here giving you Reiki and on Wednesday at 12 o'clock, you can go in your space and rest and relax and really receive that Reiki. And after the appointment, I just email you um, some of the messages that I received during the session. So we can really do it any way you want um, for that. Okay. And then, sorry, I'm blabbing, but The last thing I wanted to say is that if you've been wanting to learn astrology with me, um, I have a new workshop on my website under courses and workshops that is called Intro to the Natal Chart. It's basically just a two-hour video lecture where I just go over the basic meanings of the planets and houses. And we also discuss things like what is a natal chart? What the heck is this thing? Why is it so hard to read? Um, You know, all of that stuff. So I made this specifically for people who feel like astrology is way too confusing (laughs) or it's just like such a confusing thing to start to learn. You just feel discouraged and you want to learn it, but it just feels too hard. That workshop is for you. And um, once you, once you download it, it's, basically the video's there for you forever as far as I know. (laughs) Um, So you can really work through it on your own time and whatever and and really kind of yeah work through the meanings of the planets and the houses. So I did have a couple guinea pigs try that workshop out. They all said it was good and they said it um I, I, I don't, I'm sorry, I'm really bad at like giving myself good feedback, but they said it helped, it helped them a lot with understanding the planets and houses. So I will say that. And, um, 
the one thing I will say, I hope I don't come off as egotistical when I say this, but I think something I'm good at, which I'll just pat myself on the back here. I hope I feel like I'm really good at making the confusing unconfusing. Okay. <laughs> um, so if you feel like no one has ever ha- been able to make astrology digestible for you, try out this workshop. It's not that expensive. It's 35 bucks. And, um, you know, I would, I hope that I can be the one who can help you (laughs) not see astrology as this big confusing thing. So that's all I'll say. If you made it to the end, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And, um, I have some pretty cool guests who are coming on the show in October. So keep an eye out for that. And we'll talk next time. Love you guys. Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you so much to my Patreon supporters. You are all supporting the creation of this podcast in a bigger way than you even realize. If you want to know more about my offerings on Patreon, including access to the Secret Horoscope Witch YouTube channel, the link is in the show notes. I am a professional astrologer, tarot reader, Reiki practitioner, and psychic intuitive. If you are interested in working with me one-on-one or getting a reading from me, you can visit my website, horoscopewitch.com, to learn more about my offerings. If you find this podcast to be helpful, I would greatly appreciate your rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Your reviews not only make my day, but also increase the chances of others finding this podcast too. And if you like this episode, feel free to share it with a friend.